0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Bald Move Prestige. Today, we're going to be talking about a little film that came out in 2013 called The Wolf of Wall Street, directed by a little-known director, Martin Scorsese. Uh, the screenplay was by Terrence Winter. It's based on The Wolf of Wall Street by Jordan Belford, which gets turned into Belmont, because this is a... Right? Is, isn't it yep. Bel... Bel isn't it? Yep, Jordan, they, use, Bel- they
1: use his real last name, yeah.
0: Okay, because this is a lightly... Or maybe heavily fictionalized account of his of his life story.
1: Yeah. I mean like a do you believe that the guy is in his autobiography telling the truth? And B, do you believe that, right. that he has actually accurately captured that
0: who knows? Yeah, there's there's two layers of fuckery in which you can uh view the lens of this movie. It stars yeah. so many famous people. Leonardo DiCaprio is the titular wolf, uh Jonah Hill, who is fully insane this entire fucking movie. <laughs>
1: Uh-huh. Margot
0: Robbie who is incandescently hot uh, Matthew McConaughey which he has a brief but iconic and cadaverous kind of role to play as the 80s you know uh, greed is good style stockbroker that that takes the wolf in as a cub and mm-hmm. teaches him the ways of fucking with people's money um, Rob Reiner is in this film that I'd forgotten about John yeah. Favro, Favs is in here
1: uh thomas middleditch is in here at one point thomas middleditch before
0: i even knew who the fuck he was i think shea wiggum yep. uh was it like this is the this is a year like this is the third coming into the third season of boardwalk um but i think i'd seen this movie first so i didn't really know who shea wiggum was i didn't know who terrence winter was um oh, and this good. is like right this is right before we started doing kind of pop culture on bald Move. so yeah. Like once we get past 2013, 2014, like almost every movie that was prominent or Oscar winning, we probably saw and, and covered. But this is one of those few right in that transition period that kind of got left behind. Um, uh,
1: Kristen Milioti, who's I feel like blowing up or has blown up in the last seven years since this.
0: Right. Wasn't she the um, the Time Warp movie? Uh, yeah, lady? Spring Break. Uh-huh. Spring, yeah, not Spring Break. Well, it was? Oh, about- sorry. It
1: was <laughs> yeah, Palm Springs. No, Spring, spring Break is, is totally different. Movie.
0: <laughs> it's also twisted and psychedelic. Oh, I that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I went in this movie. I remember really enjoying the first movie, or the, the first time I saw it. And I think I saw this twice when it came out, uh, once in the theaters and once on video. Um, and I was worried that when I watched it again, that you know, because I've you know changed a little bit as a person in the last seven years, like would I like it as much? Would I find it as interesting? And I think I feel pretty much the same way that this movie is like a like God like like Goodfellas, another Martin Scorsese movie that this shares a lot of DNA with. This movie is a ton of fun, and up until the point, it's not. Yeah, and then then it's pretty pretty miserable when the the chickens come home to roost, and the piper has to be paid, and the full awfulness of this lifestyle kind of rears its head. Goodfellas was more punctuated by truly awful things, I, although I guess I don't know. Like you know, no one gets stabbed to death in the, the early goings of this, but you know, women are ritually humiliated. The damage that people do to their bodies is immense. Uh, you also. Don't see it, but you're—it's implied the destruction of so many people's lives, especially, right. you know, they're they're preying on working class people, plumbers, firemen, uh, uh, the carpenters, mailmen, you know, like people that don't have money to blow that just want a slice of the American dream. They're destroying these people financially. Um,
1: yeah, it's a true carnage but, in this film.
0: Yeah, but you don't really feel that because jordan you know belfort is having this amazing time with hookers and blow and supermodels and drugs and sa- like insane salesmanship what did you think of the film
1: uh i got something controversial to say because martin oh. scorsese is such a famed uh, such an iconic director and you know when you talk about stuff like goodfellas Um, the the, it's almost not even like interesting to compare this to goodfellas because it is goodfellas it's just goodfellas on wall street um
0: yes white collar goodfellas
1: yeah absolutely uh through and through but i'm gonna say that this is maybe his most culturally relevant film and look i haven't seen all of martin scorsese's work but this speaks to like an issue that is happening in the here and now um Whereas you look at these gangster films like Casino and uh, Goodfellas, and, and that shit's old, right? Like, that's old news. Like, the, the, there aren't, you know, organized Italian crime gangs going around murdering people in the streets anymore. Like, it, the, organized crime is still a thing. I don't want to get it, you know, twisted here. But as far as relevancy goes, this is a much more relevant film, I think, than any of those gangster films he's done in the past. Or, or the uh, Irishmen or anything like that, right?
0: I was gonna say, ironically, his most relevant gangster film right now is *Gangs in New York*, which says a lot about right. the state of uh, America and where, where we're at right now. But yeah, I, okay, that's, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong.
1: And, and uh, when I think of Martin Scorsese, I don't think of like culturally relevant stuff. I don't think of like, oh, here's a hard hitting take on the American dream. But like this movie yeah. gets most of the way there. I think, um, even though mm-hmm. I would say it's maybe a little too fun for its own good, but, but that's the point, right? This movie is incendiary. It's supposed to make me disgusted with the characters and their crimes and myself for enjoying the film. Like I do not I don't come out of this movie feeling like either I just watched an amazing, uh, you know, three hours of debauchery and fun. I also don't come out of this movie thinking, boy, I, I hate everything that I just saw. Like, I don't know I feel like other films would would take an angle and go with it whereas this presents the th- this presents it in a way where like I get so wrapped up in enjoying what I'm seeing until I realize that I'm enjoying it too much and I should be hating everything that's happening on screen
0: to pivot on that point or continue on that point I read a lot of contemporary think pieces and interviews where they say like concurrent you know Wall Street bad boys love this movie, unironically love this movie in much the same way that the movie itself predicted when they showed that, you know, this uh, Jordan Belfort character got, um, you know, this 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 piece on Forbes. Which he thought was a hatchet job, where it's like, oh, this guy's just, you know, lying and stealing and manipulating and making tons of cash. It's disgusting. And the next day they had guys lined out the door to work for him mm-hmm. because that's everything they want to be. And it's 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 hard to judge it's hard to judge art by the worst people who enjoy it, right? You know, because I've seen a lot of people hewing and and and, hemming and hawing about, oh, you know, Godfather glorifies mafia culture and goodfellas glorifies mafia culture and it kind of does mm-hmm. but it also never it allows you to And kind of like the way we talked about the hitchcock film last week you know you get sucked into doing these bad things. And then when the camera gets spun around and you start seeing like, Oh, well, do you like this? Well, how about this? How about this? Is this okay? And you start feeling increasingly kind of queasy. Yeah. Uh, Or just like Hitchcock said about the people that kind of like catch the breath when, you know, Norman Bates, like is about to get foiled to get away from the crime. Like these kind of movies play with that. And I think decent people can, You know, see why this is seductive to see why a person, especially like Jordan Belfort that came from nothing, you know, came from uh, below middle class and and gets this like why, you know, this is so seductive, but also why this is kind of what's wrong with the American dream that like this. Is this the American dream, like using people and taking advantage of chumps and and making yourself rich at the expense of making other people poor and then doing what with it?
1: You know, and the, the they set that all up right with this Matthew McConaughey character uh, in the beginning who's basically saying, yeah, we don't make anything. And our whole existence is simply to put money in our pockets while we keep these fools on a merry-go-round where they right. eventually lose all their money. Like, yeah, that's that's, you know, that that is a predator prey relationship that is right disturbing.
0: But it's wild because, like, I don't think that that's. It's so funny to hear Matthew McConaughey state that because I think there's a there's a there's a you know the opposite of crazy is crazy you know like Mm. uh, stock markets all it's like all this all this economy is just bullshit it's sprinkly it's magic fairy dust it's like that belies a lot of like sound economic fundamentals with fiat Mm. currency and market forces and all that kind of stuff that are very powerful very useful and are great at generating like just wealth in general. Um, and it's also kind of insane to say that, like, none of that's effective. It's all – or, or you know, it's like the, the, the yeah. truth is somewhere in the middle. But for these guys, the fact that, yeah, like, their clients, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether they make money or not because mm-hmm. they're making money on them trying to make money. They're right. making money on the commissions. They're making money. And, you know, this is not – this takes place, what, in the 80s and 90s before you had – you know, the internet kind of came along and had, like, zero – fee trades and and no commission kind of structures and people could, you know, do more prudent things like invest in 401ks and Roth IRAs and not just essentially gamble on, especially penny stocks. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's like it, that same mentality, that gambler's mentality uh that, that bankrupts people at casinos, the same thing that can bankrupt people on wall street if they're not, you know, paying attention and are not in it for a long haul
1: investment um yeah the but the, i guess the interesting thing like so, some people i think miss and it's easy to miss i i don't fault them for missing this but this movie is not all fun and games you know jordan Belfort, the, the, the end of the movie shows you um it, you know it, it all circles back around because at the beginning of the movie he says like if you have enough of this drug and he's talking about money you're invincible right you've you've got nothing to fear um can vanquish your enemies all that stuff. And then at the end of the movie we show him going to prison for 22 months or whatever he did. Uh 36 months. Yeah, he ended up serving 22 because of course, a sentence is not actually Oh a Jesus,
0: sentence. really? It's not even as
1: bad as they made it out to be in no. the movie. Holy fuck. So so yeah, he goes he goes away for the 36 months. Um but he's in fucking club med, right? He's playing tennis with his buddies in ascots. Like this is bullshit. Club fed, and, yeah. And yeah. You are supposed to feel an anger at that, right? But also, at the same time, what I think you miss in this whole equation is that, yes, he's gotten off basically scot-free in in a financial and lifestyle sense, but he's lost his wife. He's lost two wives over the course of this, actually. He's lost his kids. Uh, he's lost his houses. That's the thing that I don't think the movie does enough to point out is the carnage that this lifestyle reeks uh, reaps on his own life, right?
0: Yeah, and that's the thing cuz I think that like if you ask Scorsese that he'd be like, "Well, that's the point. You know, you're uh-huh. spo- I'm not I want to make it seem like this guy who lives this crazy crazy lifestyle who's hurt all those people doesn't really pay a consequence and you should take that you should take that anger out of the theater with you and you should Uh, take that into your politics you should take that in your understanding of criminal justice you should take that into the way you vote and way you invest your own money and it should change the world Mm -hmm. but like i don't i don't know i don't think it really does like there's been a lot of research and study on how if you parody things you do things like this um it normalizes it more than it does galvanize people because the anger that you feel about like holy shit and the movie itself skips over. Like, when he when he rinses his hands of his first wife, you never see or hear from her again. Yeah. And I think he had kids in that marriage, too. And, you know, um, he uh, punches Margot Robbie twice, and he tries to do a Walter White and steal his daughter. He gets into his car wreck, could have killed them both. And that just, too, is a consequence that gets skipped over. And even when it yeah. feels like the movie starts to feel heavy, and he's, like, living with his, you know, guilt over turning states evidence on his friends and ruining all of them then there's this like where it's like the movie's starting to kind of like sit with his despair then he comes in with a voiceover and it's like you know I almost forgot one thing I'm rich uh-huh. and then you know he recovers and it ends with him and like you know obviously he's going to get all of his houses back and all that stuff well so, that like- was the
1: most that's the thing that pissed me off the most Uh and the, the mm-hmm. thing that made me feel the grossest about this whole si- system is that scene where he's sitting around his pool and he's talking with Jonah Hill uh and he's got this ankle bracelet right he's under house arrest right and, and Jonah Hill's like he's saying oh we're going to have to sell the house to you know pay all the lawyer fees and all this stuff Jonah's like i got you i got you these people are fucking invincible right like you get rich enough you know enough people and there's nothing they can do to you uh that will actually stick because your buddies will come in and bail you out because you've bailed them out then it's just this cycle that there, there's no check, there's no balance, there's nothing. Um, these people will continue to get away with it until everyone's just says enough is enough. And that's the way it's
0: always been like, yeah. you know, when you do it, um, you, you look at like the old debtors prisons that they used to have uh, before they it's like, obviously, that's insane. You throw people for owing money into jail and they can't earn money. But the reason that went on for so long is it never affected the upper classes because it's understood that if a proper gentleman lost some money or had some hard times, his other gentleman friends would help him out, you know, get a couple a few thousand pounds and you settle the debt and the other guy gets paid and this guy's learned a hard lesson and you move on. But that just doesn't apply to the the middle classes where, you know, it's like, okay, well, yeah, I've got some friends that might have a few thousand pounds, but then they'll be bankrupt, too. And the lower classes, like, fuck, yeah, no, they're just going to rot in prison for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And it's taken us 250 plus years to reinvent a class and peerage system here in the United States that was designed to undo all that stuff. Because, yeah, like... You know, it's like there's um there's this uh, story going around right now where a black woman's going to jail for five years for accidentally committing um, voter fraud, where she voted in the wrong precinct that she wasn't supposed to, and then you got a thing like this where you know Jordan Belfort who steals millions and millions of people over the course of a decade and kills three people apparently in his greed at least you know like and that's just like a throwaway line in the movie he gets 36 months prison and 22 months. Actual. And then they make I mean, all this stuff is driven home, like the FBI officer who is like riding the subway and kind of like looking at this, you know, headline about his life's work up to that point, taking this guy down and how like it's not even really, you know. But the thing is, is, like I said, like the anger lasts yeah. for five minutes after you get in the movie. And then you think, when I think about The Wolf of Wall Street, before I sat down and watched it, I thought about how fun it is to watch Leo right. try to drive his Lamborghini on superludes. Uh-huh. I thought how fun it is that J- Jonah Hill acts like a crazy person at every point in the movie. And you the, the popcorn, c- cotton candy stays with you, but the anger and the sickness of the pit of your stomach goes away. You know? Yeah. Uh,
1: no, you're so, right.
0: I think we should talk about the merits of the film itself because there are just some ferocious performances, um, especially yeah. by Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill. This is the thing movie to put like kind of Jonah Hill on the map for me uh, because is this
1: post Moneyball is this I, I don't remember.
0: Yeah, no, it turns out Moneyball came out two years before this. So that was kind of his feet wet in the serious acting. Yeah. And then since Wolf of Wall Street, he's done far more kind of serious acting than he does uh, than he's done, um, you know, lunatic off off the wall stuff. But this is the, the other thing is, is this is a com- this film is a comedy and it works as a comedy, mm-hmm. um, like a black comedy that lasts three fucking hours. That's the other thing is I remember we had so much stuff to watch in the last couple of days when I saw that this thing was fully three hours long. I despaired, but. I swear to God watching it feels like an hour and a half. Yeah. Like the time
1: flies by. Uh, It it breezes by. I I think like maybe you could have cut out a little bit of the partying. Um, I don't know that you needed so many scenes of that, but ultimately like it is fun and you know, that's kind of serving the purpose, right? The partying is part of it. It's, it's about the lifestyle. It's about, you know, it's about that juxtaposition between how you should feel about this and how you do feel about it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and I feel like that—that's part of the point of the movie. Is there's about four points where you think, "Ah, this is where the worm's going to turn. This is where the chickens are going to go home the roost. This is where it's going to get bad." But the movie just keeps trucking. No, they—they they survive that with very little consequences, a wrap on the, a, a, a slap on the wrist at best, and then they go bigger and better and harder. Yeah. Um, so like nothing ever really really stops him, and they even make that point like in the beginning of the movie where you know Jordan is just getting started. He hasn't got a Series Seven license to be an official stockbroker yet, and he's working at this you know high press you know high power prestige stockbroker firm. And he finally gets his license and on that day. It's Black Friday, mm-hmm. wh- whichever it was, in the like nineteen eighty nine when the stock market crash yeah, historic crash that we've had, like, three worse ones since. Um, and and he loses his job, and, like, Matthew McConaughey, presumably, probably overdoses on, on Coke that night. Um, and the, so that feels like a setback, right? But it's not, because then he gets introduced, he goes into this uh, <laughs> um, Long Island penny stock trading firm, yeah. which looks like it's the seediest, grossest place in the world. And... Um... I don't know like what what's the deal with penny stocks because it's like it's it seems like what he's doing is obvious he's just selling like penny stocks themselves are snake oil and he's just like doing a snake oil salesman like what were these fuckers doing before he came along that they were struggling because it seems like that's a way you can make a lot of money
1: I think they were and, just doing the same thing except poorly uh you know he's he's like a magician on the phone to them so yeah they were he just is really they just couldn't sell
0: and, you know, I, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio has a quiet little career of effortlessly selling some superhuman talent, like a great salesperson. Like, we never see, like, Alec Baldwin and Glengarry Glenn Ross at his, like, you know, he comes in this and just berates everybody and unmans them and tells them they can't have coffee. And you're like, wow, what a fucking prep. But we never see him actually good at selling, right? Right. Um, It's so funny because this film has, like, five or six different... Uh, Glengarry, Glenn Ross quality speeches interspersed throughout. But like Leonardo DiCaprio shows us like when he's on the phone working his magic, you can imagine being on the other uh, side of that line getting suckered in. Uh, he was very good in like Catch Me If You Can, showing like yeah. how a confidence man works. Um, and then he did, he's like, you can even uh, apply this to like Inception, where he. Very efficiently, um, I think he has the help from Christopher Nolan, shows what a really good fictitious job like dream infiltrator looks like. Uh-huh. Um, he's just, I don't know, maybe it's, it's his natural charisma and smoothness, which is what you need. But uh, I don't know because the rest of his crew, who are not smooth and who are not charming or char- charismatic at all, are able to ape his style and still, because it's over the phone.
1: Yeah, uh, it's over the phone and they're using essentially his script. Uh, certainly like yeah. almost word for word probably in the beginning, but then later on they probably, you know, get the gist yeah. of it. Yeah.
0: Like Rugrat as a confidence man doesn't work because yeah. at some point he has to go to your door and like personally con you and swindle you. But right. Rugrat over the phone can absolutely work because he can sound as smart and sophisticated and suave as as a Jordan here. Yeah. Um, I don't know but but like I said we all to say this to talk about the performances um I've never quite seen anything like and Leo's he swings for defenses in a lot of different films like Revenant um Aviator yeah but this stuff he does when he's just in the grips of drug deep drug and alcohol interactions is hysterical, frightening and just it feel like I've never I I don't know what it feels like to take four industrial band quantities of these super lewds and uh. then chase it with a fifth of Jack and then try to get in a Lambo. But I imagine it looks exactly like this. Oh yeah.
1: No, no, that that is a truly iconic scene. It's, it's one that I will probably never forget having seen. Uh, and, and it's one of, it's the best scene in the movie, but it's also like not head and shoulders above everything else. Because everything yeah. else in this movie is so damn good, uh, and, yeah. and he has several performances like that uh, throughout the course of this film. That mm-hmm. yeah, I, this is this is one of his more reprehensible characters. I think like, um, it, you know, the, the stuff he does in oh, what's the Quentin Tarantino uh, movie where he plays the the guy who's. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Django and Jane.
0: Candy. Yeah. Yeah. Candyland.
1: That's like the one I can think of off the top of my head that's worse. But like he he plays, you know, like this sophisticated, smooth, suave guy. But underneath, I can just see the layers of shit that I I would. Oh, this person is not not a decent human being in any way.
0: Yeah. And one of the great. One of the other great scenes is where he
1: squares off between this
0: F him and his FBI agent. Yeah. Um, just after he gets done talking to his PI, who's, you know, like this Mr. Wolf character himself. And he's like, Jesus Christ, do not talk to this. Stay away from this guy. This guy's smart. You're stupid. Yeah. And then you see Jordan being very stupid to this very sharp FBI agent. And right you know, right to the point where the the FBI agent kind of plays with him, is kind of fucking with him. It's like, I'm getting gold from this guy. I'm getting some charge from him. And then he turns the tables on him and it's like, you know, I've taken down a lot of asshole scumbags on Wall Street. And, you know, they, I, I got to get my hats off to you because you know, they were born to the manor. You know, they came from a long line of scuzzball, asshole, amoral fathers. But you, Jordan you did it all on your own. You didn't have the asshole spoon board, born with the asshole spoon in your mouth. You got there all on your own steam. And it's like one of the most savage backhand compliments I've ever heard delivered. Yeah. Um, But that's, yeah. Like how did he get this way? Like his father kind of seems like a piece of work but not in a maniacal way that would bring about this. His mom seems like a decent person. He himself had like some kind of moral fiber entering in this like, oh, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do drugs. I just want, you know, like I thought that our, you know, it's like, yeah, sure. We're getting rich, but we're helping other like, there's no shame in generating wealth for someone. And, and, and as a byproduct of that getting wealthy yourself, but when, yeah,
1: that's, that's the thing. It's, it's not just about getting rich for him right um i think it was but it's about an addiction uh to money and power it's It's, greed i think yeah in the beginning it is wanting to get rich And, and i think like what he says about you know everybody wants to get rich uh is mostly true i think there are people who you know value certain things over money definitely um but but everybody wants to get rich in order to for the security aspect of it right and the the that's future about, that's of what their I was family say, yeah. and stuff not everybody wants to get rich to be a rich asshole and that's right. the problem is i think it went too far um where you become rich and that you let that greed feed back into itself and then you just don't give a shit who you hurt
0: yeah you've got like because i yeah i don't think everyone's get wants to get rich i think everyone wants to be left alone and not be fucked with and have a, sure. a, a a good degree of individual autonomy and freedom, and unfortunately, in our system, the only way to guarantee that is to be filthy stinking rich. Yeah, because that's the only place where you can be kind of unfuck withable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that's what people really really want. I mean, there's ways you can envision a system that you know that wouldn't require that, but that's not the world we live in. Um, but it's because like I felt like there was that point where he Matthew McConaughey takes him out to lunch and he shatters all of his illusions. Like, no, no, that bull, generating wealth, that's a bullshit. It's all about, you know, how much do you jerk off? Oh, three, four times a week. Those are rookie numbers. You need to pump those numbers up. Uh, You you need to start doing cocaine. You need to start getting yourself shit face drunk. You need to, you know, you need to just keep these guys riding on the merry-go-round because that's how we make money. Fuck them if they don't lose money or if they don't make money. Uh, And I think he was a little bothered and sickened by that, but instead he's like, he kind of came away with like, oh, I guess my perspective needs to change rather than this is just amoral and crazy. Yeah. Um. And you know, that's, I guess that's the thing. That's the original sin. He decided, you know, when he was, it's not like he worked there for a year while they were paying platitudes and saying that they were doing the right, like he, you know, this day one, nope, here's the naked unvarnished truth about this industry. And he's like, fuck yeah, I want to go all in. And there was a couple other like, Jonah Hill coming into his life, who who does that? Why do you give Jonah Hill a job, man? Yeah. And on day one of you doing it, he takes back and says, hey, man, you want to smoke a crack pipe? And then like, yeah, yeah, this is the guy I want to start a company with. Um, I thought that was kind of like crazy unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Like, I'm glad Jonah Hill's in this film. He's a wild man. He's like this agent of chaos. Do you think... Ha- Uh, It's very unclear to me, seeing this movie three times, uh, one with the seven-year gap in between it, what happens at the end? Because Jordan agrees to wear the wire, but he goes to Jonah Hill and he slips him a note saying, don't incriminate yourself, I'm wearing a wire. How does the FBI get that? Is Jonah Hill, are you you supposed to understand that Jonah Hill flipped on everyone? But then once he did, why did Jordan get a chance to cooperate again? It's like...
1: That's the thing. Once he breaks that uh that deal he's got, I don't know why he isn't just like hit with the fucking book, but like yeah. My impression is that they must have dug this out of their trash or something. Um I I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they got it exactly. It's but-
0: wild because I I I you know, if you don't know, I I do this other like political podcast thing on the side. It's over at Swizzbull. Jim kind of produces it and I do the in front of the mic stuff, but um, early on, I kind of had like a you know kind of anti wolf of Wall Street take, and I had some a lot a surprising amount of pushback on the idea that we should treat white collar crime with the same kind of severity that we do violent crime. You know, like if you murder someone, you get pitted away for twenty years. What should you get if you take a hundred thousand people's retirement account and flush it down? Like yeah. to me, you are. In absolute terms, killing at least one person if you do that because someone's going to commit suicide if they've right. you know if they worked for forty years and then they got to keep they got to fucking be greeter at Walmart because the retirement that they counted on is gone. Mm-hmm. Like, but that guy's oh you know you got to make you get there's a separation between killing someone and I don't understand I don't understand and as long as we have that two that sliding scale of justice we're going to continue to have this like that's the strongest argument for yes. Jordan Belford or whatever the fuck Belmont slaying vampires whatever w- vampire w- werewolf of Wall Street he should have gone away for 20 years and if we did that yeah. for a generation or two we might have a Wall Street worth fucking you know defending and and you know not as rapacious as it is but as long as we could be like well you know if someone's fuck slinging crack or someone you know uh, killed somebody or someone you know, did this or that. That's a co- totally different crime than what these people are doing. We're always going to have this slap on the wrist system of justice, which means, it, and that that just I feel like it's corrosive to the whole idea of justice. Like, look at what Absolutely. it does. as FBI agent at the end, like, is he going to as is is he going to as, as yeah, Jordan. Entering this organization, fresh-faced, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, gets pumped full of this bullshit and destroys the world. And you have this other FBI agent, Straight Arrow, um, Boy Scout, fresh-eyed, fresh-faced, bright-eyed. You go through the same system. One guy ends up even just as rich, he can continue to take advantage of people. The other guy rides home on the subway thinking he's the biggest rube in the world. Is he going to as zealously prosecute the Wall Street guys going forward? like I don't know. it's just it's... so to me so patently fucked up but yet people defend it
1: and, and yeah i mean that's absolutely absolutely right um the penalties are not harsh enough I, I know that like it's not necessarily about the penalty of getting caught but the certainty of getting caught um is what yes is a effective deterrent and we have you know undermined the irs and underfunded the irs and and taken out all the safeguards we have against uh these types of schemes going unnoticed um, or at least yeah, like, unprosecuted.
0: It, like defunding the police is so controversial, but we constantly defund
1: the right. white collar police, and no one bats an eye. In fact, it's celebrated. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we we need to maybe pump up those systems, but I don't know. It, it's crazy to me too because like this movie, I I don't want to say like it it's wishy washy on this stuff or it, but it does vacillate between like. This is, you know, uh, this guy getting his comeuppance and this guy, you know, this federal agent succeeding and mm-hmm. it, it, there's a string of scenes um, where Belfort goes to jail where you can you can see, OK, the the federal agent is riding the subway, um, just like mm-hmm. they talked about on the boat. Right. And he's thinking about that. But then that scene is immediately cut to Jordan Belfort riding a prison bus. So, like, Mm -hmm. in that moment, you think, oh, well, okay, the subway is far preferable, right, to the prison bus. But then Mm -hmm. they cut, again, right back over to his fucking club med life he's living in this prison. I I forgot I was rich. Right.
0: I got to admit, I was scared for a minute going into prison, but then I forgot I was rich. And and it
1: immediately turns that feeling on its head, And, and that's part of it, right, this whiplash of, like, Ah, there's justice. Oh shit, there's not. Oh, but wait, he lost mm-hmm. his family. Oh, but he doesn't give a shit, and he's still rich. Right, right. There are so many little moments like that where the film is whiplashing you back and forth between those feelings of extreme, you know, envy and joy and excitement yeah. and these like depths of despair. And I, I don't know. I I think it's effective um, because I come out of this film thinking. Man, I really enjoyed that ride, but I probably shouldn't have, because it's a disgusting ride.
0: Yeah, and like what the movie stays with, I think, is interesting because there's some things like uh Jonah Hill fucking with John Bernthal is a delight and also is a pivotal plot point oh because God. this guy for why? For why? Why does he do this? It's so needless. <laughs> That's it. And this is the beginning of the end when he yeah. he pulls this shit and it gets arrested. Um And I'm like, I understand how, why they, because they spend like 10 minutes setting up, like setting up that scene. And then the scene itself is like a good long, you know, just like, man, look at this guy just provoking John Bernthal. And he's going to get an epic ass beating. And, but then they have this thing where there's like a seven minute scene of them negotiating a contract for little people that they can toss at a dartboard. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what purpose does this serve? It's like kind of black comedy but I, I mean it, it, it's, it's, it paints the picture of like, these
1: people certainly
0: right but I don't even know if the movie itself has a a, a certain point of view over it is like Martin Scorsese actually kind of think this is cool in a way that you can you can do something like this and get away with it Uh yeah that, it's, that's it's, a it's fair like, it's question
1: just, I don't know Um because in the because gangster some of the movies other long... I always get the feeling that like he's writing a love letter to a, a bygone era which Mm. he acknowledges right. is a nasty thing, um, but also mm-hmm. there's some romance to it. Sure. I, I feel like yeah. he's doing the same here, but I don't know that I quite feel the same. Uh, I, I don't quite get the same vibe from this as I do from yeah. those. And there's like others,
0: like you could say the same thing, I guess, about the Ferrar- the the Lambo scene, like, though that is, is, is again is a piece of that's a that's a piece of art. Yeah. And also it's a pivotal plot point, you know, like Jonah Hill fucked up. And he's always been a fuck up and he's trying to hide the fuck up with an enormous amount of drugs, which has been an increasing pattern in this movie. And now it's built. He's made a a mountain into fucking Vesuvius. It's now a volcano exploding. And so it's like it's not only just like on the face of it funny and also it works at like the, the rules of three. It's super funny to see him just go instantly comatose and pass out on his hotel floor it's super funny to watch him try to get out the front door and into this car. And then this, the the third, the punchline is when the cops come. Yep. And he's like, what are you talking about? It's only a mile I got home with that. And you go and see the Lambo and it just looks like it's been through a <laughs> fucking wood chipper. Yeah. And, and like it's that stuff. It's like it's but there's like a bunch of scenes like that where they went on for a pretty long time. Like there's this long discussion that he has with his father about Bush.
1: Uh huh. I I love that scene, but I don't really know what purpose it serves.
0: Yeah, and I also wonder how much of this dialogue was scripted versus how much of it was improvised. Because some of this stuff with, like, Jonah Hill... Feels very like him yeah. and Bernthal going out felt very improvisational, like, uh-huh. you know, and I, I wonder if he got like some of these very talented actors. And it's like Martin Scorsese, like, I can't cut any of this bush talk. It's gold. It's gold. You know, I can't I can't cut any of this. Uh, like, look how like the, the rug rat negotiating and talking about, uh, oh, you can't touch their dick. But oh, this guy, you can. He's got he's He's weapons free on dicks. Like, he's yeah, like, ah, the, it's just the too the funny. Little
1: people seeing his seems to be like partially improvised and also i'm i'm really not sure what purpose that serves other than to s- establish characters as assholes um uh-huh. the, the scene with the bush talk uh to me is trying to convey some sort of corrupting influence of this life right like or, or the world um as it progresses because like you got the two generations of guys writing and, and rob reiner is like god they they have they have no bush now they're shaved from the eyebrows yeah (laughs) what wow if i was a young man i don't know what i'd do that sort of thing right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. and and you may or may not like bush uh whatever but like there is a sort of like lifestyle creep right like cultural creep toward the lavish uh you know the the drug-fueled binges um you know, the sex parties, like, shit, shit happened, you know, back in Rob Reiner's day, I'm, I'm sure of it, right? You don't live through the 60s without your share of sex parties, right? Oh, uh, right, like the, uh, like the, the, the posh says. British
0: aunt, yeah. Huh? Right, but,
1: but also, like, that shit creeps. It's like Magic the Gathering, there's power creep, right? Y- mm. You see, uh, well, the parties, the, the sex parties, the 60s existed, yeah, but... Come on, they were probably tame compared to the ones that are going on on Wall Street, right? Uh, flying, oh, yeah. flying transatlantic on a fucking airplane and having an orgy in there, right? That, like that Bacchanal, yeah. Rob Reiner probably never did that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so there is a corrupting influence, right? It's not all just like these guys are terrible people. It's also partially this feedback loop.
0: There's uh, speaking of Jonah Hill, I, I one of the questions I had is like, did he eat that goldfish? Because That's either really good CGI or practical effect, or he ate a fucking goldfish. I looked into it, and I guess he wanted to eat goldfish. And (laughs) Scorsese's like, you can't eat goldfish, Jonah. If you do that, the PETA people will fuck us. We won't get that label on the film, and there'll be a shit show. So, like, Jonah Hill's like, calm down, man. You want to eat a goldfish? The compromise they worked out is that he could keep the goldfish in his mouth for three seconds. Okay. So he put a real-life goldfish in his mouth, rolled it around for three seconds, and spit it out in the water, apparently unharmed. Boy, I don't know. <laughs> Does
1: that make it better? I, did did a veterana-
0: like- Yeah, did a veterinarian, did an ichthyologist like sign off on the rolling around in Jonah Hill's filthy mouth for you know just been sucking <laughs> fake blow off a hooker's ass like a, 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 uh. a the 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 shot before they sign off on that. But like ah, it's uh it's, it's 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 lunatic. And there's there's other things that I wondered what the point of is like when they're showing. The Steve Madden shoes deal. Um Why? What's the point of having them lampoon this guy? Like, why did Jordan let his entire uh bullpen tear into this guy and mock him and throw shit at him before he comes in and talks about what a genius he is? And then, like, all that's beside the point, because here's a script that's going to sell these fuckers has nothing to do with it. Right. Like, is that I kept on wondering? It's like. Is this saying something about this type of career, like this type of industry that he's trying to say that like these guys aren't even particularly good managers? How can they be like these aren't geniuses? These aren't brilliant people. These are coked up lunatics doing everything wrong, being offensive and output an off putting. And it doesn't matter because the other people's greed is such that they want in on this IPO. They don't want to miss out they're, they' they're, They got this fear of missing out. Yeah. Uh, but but it's like I don't know like I was that's the thing like this movie's perspective seems to be that all everything on Wall Street everything involving fiat currency or the stock market is a bunch of bullshit that doesn't matter. I don't personally believe that. Despite you know some of my political rhetoric, I am still a capitalist and I want to believe that there is something to all this. But like, goddamn. Uh, yeah. It does seem like when anytime I've seen a documentary on the inner workings of some of these things, like in the smartest guys in the room at Enron, this fucking thing with the Belmont Buford (laughs) Lion Corporation, they all seem and like my own experiences in like Fortune 500 companies. I don't think there's geniuses on top. I think it's a lot of fucking dumb luck and hard work of people in the middle and the bottom and, you know, uh, customers liking things and that's yeah, it's it's like this this idea that you've got somebody that's worth a hundred billion at the top because you know, every once in a while they take a break from sniffing blow off a hooker's butt and they they make a, a decision about which big money thing to push into, like it does seem like a fallacy,
1: yeah, uh, and they don't even necessarily have to take a break from the blow to make that decision <laughs> as <laughs> right as spectacularly like, demonstrated in this movie, right? That scene on the boat with the. Or at the the pool party with the uh, the pool table and they're playing beer pong and Jonah Hill, this movie loves ludes, man. Every time it's a fucking opera. They go into the, you know Jonah Hill pops a lewd and they kick in. They make it seem like a slow mo drug from
0: Dread. You know everything's going in slow time uh-huh. and it's all
1: candy colored and yeah. You you know that that reminds me the thing that I like so much about that Lambo scene when those lewds kick in is it gives you a moment there where it's like, okay, it's the distorted camera and you're feeling mm-hmm. what it's like to be in his head, but then seeing it from the outside, right? Mm-hmm. Seeing this character trying to get to his Lamborghini in completely sober shots, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's like you're standing in that driveway watching this lunatic. Mm-hmm. Uh it, there, There's something about the disparity there between what's happening in his brain and, And what we're Mm -hmm. seeing play out in real life is absolutely hysterical to me.
0: And it's also kind of relatable because, like, you know, uh, I've known people that get blackout drunk on a regular basis and like, oh, bro, man, I was like, fucking wait. I don't even fucking remember last weekend. Well, then what did you do it for, man? Yeah. Like that scene where he's talking about the four stages of lewds and like the, the uptake phase seemed like recognizable fun. But when he's getting like some hook, some some prostitutes grinding on him, and he's like drooling and eyes crossed, and's never going to remember it. Like, what's the fucking point? Yeah, like it. And I think there's something that the movie's trying to say about that too. It's like, well, the point is, uh, I don't know. You do so much bad shit that you just want to turn your brain off. Like, you just can't deal with anything harsh, sober. Like, you're going, you're going to sink. You're going to go sinking on a ship. Like, that's the other funny thing. Is like. How many times these guys went off to save $10, $20 million and lost 100 Like, How much money do you think he lost when that ship sunk? The helicopter? How was it insured? Design,
1: I don't know. Like the 120-foot
0: yacht? N- nothing. <laughs> and 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 he did that just to save $20 million that his dead aunt, you know, he had to do some kind of crazy probate scam involving these corrupt Swiss bankers to save it, and he probably lost $80 million fr- I don't know, man. It's just... That, that's the thing. Like, I... And, and it's it's not even real. Like none of the losses that they experience are ever f- seemingly real. Like, you know, there's right, always this right. talk about, well, maybe I'll lose my house. Maybe I'll do this. But the only thing they really lose is their humanity and their human connections to
1: people. And it doesn't seem to matter. And, and I think that's um, the point, you know, of, of showing the excess in the drugs. It's to link it to the excess in the, the money um, because they're both, you know, the, the film all over it is saying that money is a drug, um, that he is an addict. And that's the point, right? In those scenes where you're seeing how far this guy goes and and how pointless it all is, you're supposed to be thinking the same thing that you're thinking about the lewds for the money. Yeah.
0: I I had that feeling too, there's a scene where there's like three times it happens where someone comes and it's usually uh uh Favre, uh John Favreau. Um, he goes and says, "Like, hey, you got to take this deal, or the they're gonna they're gonna fuck ya. you. You got to take this deal." Finally, he's like, "No, seriously, like you. This was after the Lambo incident. You've got to take this deal, and you can just essentially walk away scot free. Mm-hmm. You know, like even though they got you dead to rights, if you just voluntarily give up this company and and, and say you promise you'll never work on Wall Street again, everything will go away. You get to keep the house. You get to keep the supermodel wife. You get to keep the Lambos. You get to keep the cruisers. You get to keep it all." And he agrees. Dad's like, Jordan, this is a great deal. This is a sweetheart deal. Take it. And I got the feeling as he's given this speech about going away that is like he was it's like the speech that sells a rube on a penny stock and he's doing it to himself. Yeah. Like his future is now a penny stock. It's worth nothing. But he's still talked himself into it, and he's going to buy, and he's going to double down, like, oh, you want to buy for three? You know what? How about five? You know what? Make it ten. And that's what he fucking does. But the, still, it's like the, there's, the satisfying thing is if he had actually got brought down and brought down hard. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, like Goodfellas, the guy, like, there's some kind of poetic justice of this guy who you know, took all the shortcuts and got ahead because he wanted to be somebody being a nobody and a forcible nobody because he ever tries to be somebody again. Some mafia asshole will come and whack him. Yeah. You know, there is none of that justice on this side of the street No, because it's just. Yeah. So even though he doubled down every single time and had all these moments of clarity, like it just doesn't matter because nothing ever stuck.
1: So that raises another uh, issue that a lot of people had with this movie um, in the, you know, glorification of these sorts of behaviors um, and that lifestyle, but also the movie itself um, and the fact that it's made. So let me lay a little groundwork. Uh, Jordan Belfort, the real human Jordan Belfort, um, you know, did all, did all these things, got, got indicted and got uh, sent to prison for a while, came back out, wrote a book, uh, called The Wolf of Wall Street, his autobiography, uh, which is what this movie is based on. Also, Jordan Belfort uh, started a motivational speaking career after this. Um, mm-hmm. And that's part of what you see in the end of this film is, actually, it's Jordan Belfort, the real-life Jordan Belfort, introducing Leonardo DiCaprio as Jordan Belfort. Oh, that's
0: cool. Okay,
1: that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, in the, in the sell-me-this-pin scene. Um, I guess it's not cool fuck you should be in jail but yeah so, so that's what I want to talk about like I I'm kind of grossed the, the most uh, despicable thing about this film existing to me is that Jordan Belfort then profited off of all this after the fact he made mm-hmm. more than a million dollars off of this film I don't Weeks know that I can abide him. the fact that Yeah, I, I. so there's a question Of like, should Martin Scorsese have read this book and then adapted a screenplay that was fictionalized and had nothing to do with Jordan Belfort per se, right? Just had a lot Mm -hmm. of this story. Because it's not an uncommon tale among the Wall Street crowd, I have to imagine. Uh, And then not giving Jordan Belfort a goddamn dime. Or is it okay that he took this and made it, you know, based on this book of this man's life story and ended up giving him more money uh, an obscene amount of money by most people's standards—a million dollars—to make this film.
0: Especially when you realize that that's Jordan at the end; he's literally sucking his own dick
1: Dude, and making. It feels making really gross obscene. when you find out
0: uh, a couple of behind-the-scenes facts about this movie. And 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 yeah, he's sucking his own dick and getting a million plus dollars for it too.
1: And the company name in the film of his motivational uh-huh. speaking company is his actual motivational speaking company's name so he's getting so the people, free publicity from right. millions of people seeing this movie too it's i don't i because, don't you know, like there's, it a, there's, frankly
0: there's a ton of people out there who are the rubes or who are going to look at this movie and is that the, the the most i guess the most profitable rube is the rube that thinks they're the the smartest guy in a room and this is that this is the exact kind of thing like you know some guy coming out of there yeah. and like you know what that guy beat the system and he made all that money and he got the, the the tongue of gold that can sell. I want I want in on that. And those are the type of people that they're gonna funnel to Jordan and he's going yeah. to take him for all. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like if they had the Fire Festival documentaries and it led up to promoting Fire Fest too. Right. More fire, more fest. Dude, Same it's guy. fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I mean, like I said, I I think the way to do it is if we treat financial white collar crime at sufficient scales, like we should have escalators. Just like, you know, you uh rob a store, that's one thing. You rob a store with a gun, that's one thing. You rob a store as a, a convict as a previous offender, like it just gets worse and worse and worse for you. I think we need those kind of accelerators and stuff on the the, the white collar crime, but like so much of it is just like recouping money that you know, if you can, if you can, yeah, get get a couple million dollars chicken shook, free for the victims fund. Like, what was it? Like, they recovered three million dollars for the victims fund. What is that? Is, is everyone gets three cents that he's ever ripped off?
1: And it's he like was a class. To pay like fifty percent of his salary up until two thousand nine toward you know restitution and the total. How restitution much does he still is have in like Swiss account but but that's the thing. How much does he have in his Swiss accounts? Like, who the fuck
0: knows? Right. He's taking money to Switzerland, twenty million dollars at a time. Uh, I, there's there's how, that how about, So, like,
1: how about this? We take the average American salary, and we hmm. divide the amount of money you stole by that. the The average annual American salary. We take the amount of money you stole, divide it by that number, and that's how many years you do.
0: It does seem like because, like this, this I, I keep I'm thinking about how. And much in common just had in piracy like piracy was endemic when there's a lot of money to be had there's a lot of nations in you know international waters doing you know like you had the dutch you had the english you had spain you had the french and there's like you know like territorial disputes and there's like a lot of murky details and then once the international community came together and like you know what fuck pirates pirates went down to davy jones locker yeah And it does feel like there has to be an inner because like the big part of the problem is you have places like Switzerland, you got places like Monaco, you got places like the Grand Caymans that openly engage in this high-stakes, white-collar piracy. And until the international community gets together and is like, you know what? Fuck this stuff. But the problem is, the people that have to do that are the ones that are profiting and hiding the money and corruption corrupt. That's yeah. the thing,
1: man, because part of me like looks at those Swiss accounts and I'm like, oh, damn, yeah, that, no, that makes a lot of sense. Like If they're going to take advantage of these loopholes, why shouldn't I be doing the same thing, right? If that's the system, to fucking do it, because you're a, you're a fool if you don't. But the people who would have to enforce, you know, uh, punishment on on that type of behavior are just as incentivized in some cases to do the same things when they get in the right. position where they understand, you know, what's happening and and how to fix it.
0: Yeah, it's too. And it's a shame that these accounts are private and we can never find out who they belong to or who's engaging in it. Except for this was all leaked out in the Panama Papers and no one <laughs> gave a shit. So <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's a damn shame we can never get to the bottom of it, Jim. Except for we always do. <laughs> yeah
1: (laughs) and we just don't
0: care it's a fun movie it's a really fun movie i had a it's so easy to watch it's like it's like drinking kool-aid uh you know but uh is is uh is that kool-aid got cyanide in it? Is the kool-aid got angry juice is going to keep me angry about it probably not i don't know uh yeah but uh it's a hell of a movie it's a hell of a movie the performance alone. Holy shit. Did this get any, I, I can't remember whether oh, this yeah. got anything for Oscars. Uh, um,
1: let's go over the awards. Um, I know
0: I, Martin Scorsese is like perennially fucked over
1: by the Oscars. Well, um, this was no different. Although I will say he was up against some stiff fucking competition this year. Um, that was a Dallas Buyers Club year. It as, was. As, yeah. D- dominated by Dallas Buyers Club and 12 Years a Slave. So best picture, ooh. it was nominated for that. Um, it lost to 12 mm-hmm. Years a Slave. It was nominated for Best Director, Scorsese. It lost to Alfonso Cuarón, *Gravity*. Uh, Best Actor, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, that's that that hasn't aged well. Uh, *Gravity*.
0: I mean, yeah, *Gravity* the direction. I mean, but, yeah, I, I guess you're right.
1: It's pretty outstanding.
0: Yeah, it feels a little. It feels a little like uh, Forrest Gump versus Goodfellas, or sure. Was was it was it Forrest Gump versus Pulp Fiction? I can't remember which Oscar tra- travesty happened.
1: Yeah. Uh, best actor Leonardo DiCaprio got beaten by Matthew McConaughey and Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, Jonah Hill as best supporting actor got beat by Jared Leto from Dallas Buyers Club. That's horseshit. Best adapted screenplay for Terrence Winter got beaten by John Ridley for 12 Years a Slave. So didn't actually win anything it was nominated for, though it was nominated for five Damn. awards. Damn. Damn.
0: And yeah, yeah. Like it makes sense. Like we were talking about pre-podcast that uh, Matthew McConaughey has this very gaunt, cadaverous look that suited the character so well that he got, because he was shooting this in conjunction with Dallas Buyers Club, where right. he played a gaunt, cadaverous guy dying of AIDS. And um, that's, it's
1: an outstanding film and an outstanding performance uh, from McConaughey. I don't know which one I would pick, frankly. Like They're both so different, but so fucking good. And this is one of the best roles I've ever seen Leo in, so... I don't know. Yeah,
0: I mean, yes, yeah. Leo is. How do you pick? He's got a lot. He's he's been in a lot of good stuff, and he's like sneaky one of our generation's greatest actors. Is that still fair? Like pretty young. Yeah, yeah. He's got a long career ahead of him. Um, Gotten up to some Jordan esque uh, hijinks of his own. Like he was famous a couple years ago for what having thirty supermodels. He was fucking on a big boat at some point.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's he's definitely uh, likes the ladies. <laughs> I don't know if he likes yeah. the blow or the lewds, but probably That's likes the, the other thing boost. is like
0: when I see a movie like this, I wonder, like, is this this in, is this like some kind of like Roman Caligula thing? Like once you get past yeah. the gauzy uh, veil of like the public rhetoric versus like what's actually going on, is this is this like literally every stock broker institution is this literally every high profile political outfit is this li- literally every big money ceo party because yeah. i've heard a lot like i never got to those kind of but like the you know the low levels of corporate america i clumped to like you definitely started hearing the rumors of like the golf outings where they were all the 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 flag girls were prostitutes and strippers. And if you tip them 100 bucks, they might let you dip their putter in their pussies for extra luck. And like and they were telling this like, you know, like what? a, And I was just, just sitting back thinking that's fucked up, man, all for all kinds of reasons. Like who? What is why is that fun? Why is that fun? But, I don't know. Is the putter a, a euphemism? Is it a nickname or literally the putter? That I mean I mean who knows if you might have some uh, yeah but like I think okay. it's literally like a putter this is as, as it was foretold to me at some big midwe- midwestern oh. no, midwestern right, golf right. outing this right. isn't like on Wall Street or in LA or anything this is just what's going on in middle America yeah. amongst the big wigs so uh yeah wolf of wall street 2013 hell of a movie it's, it's a easy way to pass 3 hours for sure <laughs> Well, that'll do it for the Wolf of Wall Street for this week. Next week on the Prestige Feed, thank God, Jim, we've got some prestigious television coming back. Finally. Uh, It's been a long time since we covered anything prestigious. On television, because it's been a long time since uh, prestigious stuff has been on the air. But Fargo season four, after being gone for, I think, 27 years, Mm -hmm. uh, it went off the air the same time MASH wrapped up, I believe. (laughs) I believe Alan Alda signed off the airwaves the same time Ewan McGregor's evil twin did. But they're finally back. COVID tried to delay it and stop it, but they could not be denied. Fargo season four starts um, this, uh, this, this next week, and we have a double episode out next tuesday for that uh we do have some more prestigious movies coming up but they will be in the weeks ahead uh please come back for fargo fargo is an amazing series of television also if you're on the fence about it um even though it's season four you don't need any any deep lore understanding these are an anthology so you can just jump in in any time and it's going to be a hell of a time to jump in you got chris rock you got timothy oliphant you got jason schwartzman you got just loads of star power double-barreled pointed at you two episodes we'll be back for Fargo season four is what I'm getting at until then I'm Aaron and I'm Jim see you then